All right, welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of the Final Final Podcast, episode 6, quarantine day number 24. I missed an episode last week, sorry about that, but mostly because I really couldn't think of anything to talk about for a 30-minute episode last week. I mean, sure, I could talk about who would win in an NBA horse competition, but how long would that really last? I mean, seriously, is that something people really want to hear about, whether Steph Curry or LeBron James or even Michael Jordan would win a game of horse? Come on now. I mean, either way, I took last week to think about what I could talk about, and I, I saw two things that pointed me in the direction that I'm, I'm actually going to take now, at least for this week to start next week. I'll tell you what I'll be doing next week at the end of this episode. But I was looking through my things I had from NFL Network, and I saw all these lists that I printed out of the finalists for the NFL 100 team. And then I saw that part of my take was also discussing the NFL 100 running backs on how they thought LaDainian Tomlinson should be one of the all-time running backs on the list, and he wasn't. And I, I agree with them too. But But I thought about how this would be the perfect topic to discuss. I mean, I remember being, I remember when these lists were coming out and I was printing these at NFL Network, having my own opinions, of course, and now I have the chance to discuss who I thought maybe should and shouldn't be on the list. And I'll start with quarterbacks today, but I was glad I was able to find this because now I don't have to tell you who wins in a horse competition between LeBron James and Michael Jordan, like Skip and Shannon are somehow able to do every day, which... I'll give them credit is a talent in and itself how they can turn every discussion to LeBron versus Michael Jordan. But either way, so over the next several episodes, I'll be taking a position on the NFL 100 list and discussing my thoughts, not only on the players that were chosen for the NFL 100, but maybe those who have been left off as finalists as well. And like I said, I'll start off with quarterbacks today a little later on in this episode. But first, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we're at day 24 of this quarantine, at least for me, which doesn't seem, of course, to be ending in the near future. I introduced uh, Shaq Wacky in my last episode, if you remember, and we may be past that point currently. I mean, just indiscriminately bored at this point. Jordan purchased the Lego set of the Chicago Bears Stadium that he's been building for the past couple days that is coming together now after he gets done with work from his uh, room since we have to work from home of course makes me think that I have to might have to purchase a set that builds Lambeau Field to rival his but then I found out it was like $80 so I thought maybe he can have that all to himself there I did end up buying a yoga mat though even though it hasn't gotten a ton of use from me yet I figure if I just keep it unrolled in my room that I'll eventually just have to lay down on it <laughs> and use it but what else during this oh I did get around to watching that docu-series Tiger King last week on Netflix. It took me one evening and the next morning to finish it, which I didn't think I was going to be able to do. I thought I'd watch an episode or two each day and then finish it by the end of the week. But it really sucks you in, especially after that second episode. I, they talk about whether these places are, are cults or not that the employees are working for. And then it just goes from there and it's crazy. And then the following episode, of course, is whether or not Carol Baskins killed her former husband, which of course makes you think she did because you're already rooting against her at this point for being the most hypocritical person that there is. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and then by the end of the show, you're sitting here thinking, is there really a protagonist to this show whatsoever? I mean, Joe Exotic, the, <laughs> the 
goodness, what a name, first of all. But my goodness. I mean, you, you, you're rooting for him at first, and you of course you're rooting against Carol Baskins because she's trying to shut down all these big cat parks while she's also running one at the same time, which is in worse condition. I don't know. And now, of course, we're supposed to be getting a new episode. I believe it's supposed to be this week. I should probably check Netflix if it's out there from uh, who's the guy that Joe Exotic, his partner, business partner, um, Oh, Jeff Lowe. <laughs> he announced that there's a another episode that was supposed to be coming out this week, so I'll I'll have to look out for that. But I mean, just the craziest parts of the show. You, the first episode, it seems not normal, obviously, because there's a guy named Joe Exotic, and the way he not necessarily looks, but his his whole character, of course. But then the second episode just really blew my mind when they started asking whether they thought these places are considered cults when they talked about how the workers what they work for, what they're living in. I mean, the guys that work at Joe Exotics Park are going through these Walmart trucks of expired meat and taking what they want first before it goes to the animals. I mean, you talk about the other main big cat park, the Doc Antle. I mean, the he's <laughs> got seven, six or seven partners, and then there's the one girl who was i believe a partner of his and she somehow was able to leave and now has a new new life of course but they were able to interview her and then of course you talk about with carol baskins first of all her husband just seems like a drone or someone under her control mind control of some sort but all the workers that work for carol baskins at her not big cat park quotations around that because it's basically a big cat park but they all work for free. They don't They don't get paid. And then they're asking one lady. She's like, oh, yeah, I work here on Christmas. I, I couldn't even think about asking off for Christmas. And Carol Baskins is standing right next to her with just – she's just got an evil grin too, it just seems like. But either way, so there's the cult episode. Then the next episode after that, of course, is did Carol Baskins kill her husband, which, of course, they – I don't know if it's the way they set it up or it's just how it all went through – the progression of the episode but you think that she did <laughs> and joe exotic of course also fueling the fire by saying by all the possibilities of how she killed her husband that he went missing and, and now of course i believe since the show's been released that they've reopened the case of of her missing husband so that's kind of hilarious that that started again and then of course the other craziest part of this show is just joe exotic himself I mean, he's a politician, Runs. he was in the presidential 2016 campaign. I mean, not seriously or in contention, of course. Then of, he ran for governor, I believe, of Oklahoma. I think he actually, what was it, third? He came in third in the governor's election there. Of course, he's an internet star with his internet TV show. I mean, is he a mob leader when they, when they bring in jeff lowe and some of jeff lowe's guys i mean what do you make of this guy and now of course he's he's in he's behind bars if if you haven't watched it yet spoiler alert there but either way i mean what do you make of this guy i think they even recently said he just contacted the coronavirus in jail which is unfortunate um and then president trump of course to announced that he's taking a look at joe exotic sentence of i think it's like 22 23 years and he might reduce it or something. I don't know. It's just crazy. And we're supposed to be getting a new episode 
this week. So just keeping the hype around this Tiger King show alive. And it sucked me in for sure. It definitely got me. I mean, if you're looking for something for seven hours that'll hold your attention, <laughs> this is a show for sure that you'll enjoy watching. Another show I've, I've also watched is the show on Fox, Lego Masters. We, we have Fox now on our TVs. We have uh, one of them fire sticks, I think. And we get a, a lot of these things. But I was able to watch the first five episodes of this Lego Masters show. And this show is actually pretty cool to watch. So what, what they the, the contestants, what they're able to do with these Legos is incredible. I mean, I mentioned before Jordan making the Chicago Bears Stadium with Legos. And he's been doing it for a couple days, albeit not the whole day, of course, with breaks. And he works and from, I think it's like 8.30 to 6 or 8.30 to 5.30. But either way. He's been working on this, but in this show, they get to make these incredible Lego sculptures, sometimes in eight hours, sometimes 12 to 15 hours, and then sometimes six hours. It depends on the challenge, I guess, for each episode. And someone gets eliminated at the end of each episode because they have what they're called Brick Masters, (laughs) the two judges, and then Will Arnett's the host, and he does a pretty good job. But for example, they made, for the first episode, they had theme parks however they wanted. There's there was like a forest theme park, a Spaceland theme park, a, I think a candy theme park, of course. Then in the second episode, and then what they do is they connect all of these theme parks together at the end because each platform that the contestants, it's teams of two, by the way, but the contestants are given a platform and on it is a railway and it connects with all of them at the end and there's a train that goes around through each theme park kind of deal, which is really cool. Um, then they did a space theme in the second episode where they end up smashing them at the end, the creation that they make either by dropping it 20 feet from this balcony that they have. They literally explode it with something that they put in to see all the Lego pieces fly everywhere. And then, or they have Will Arnett hit it with a baseball bat to which believe it or not, the people that had that one, he did a pretty good job best that he could just hitting as much of the Lego pieces that he could. But, And then the last episode that I just watched, they had to build bridges across a six-foot platform. I don't know how high up it was, but they get two platforms, and they're building a bridge in between. And then once the time is up, they are trying to see how much weight that the bridges can hold. And somehow, two of these teams had their bridges hold 1,000 pounds, and they probably could have held more. But the show stopped them there at 1,000 pounds because they were worried they had some sort of safety reason for it. But 1,000 pounds on the Lego bridge was just incredible. And then, of course, they the judges determine who goes home. And, and there was a team that didn't meet the criteria. And then whoever has the weakest, they always have a bottom two and a top two for the winner of this challenge. And then who's going home with the challenge. It's a pretty cool show. I, I enjoy watching that one a lot too, and I think I've still got a couple episodes left that I can do with it. So that's uh, what I've been spending a lot of my time on during this quarantine. I mean, I was able to go outside this past weekend and just go for a walk around my little neighborhood, but in L.A., this whole week it's been raining. and I mean, we've had heavy rain and windy rain just Monday to Thursday here, and it just sucks. I haven't been able to get back outside yet. So hopefully that ends so I can at least get some fresh air. But other than that, those are those are a couple of the shows I've been watching and then preparing for this podcast too during this quarantine. But 
speaking of the the quarantine, the COVID nineteen, how the sports have been affected, and and here's kind of where we are now at this point. So the first thing is with the NFL, the NFL draft approaching in I think less than two weeks from now. It'll be April 23rd through the 25th, and what they've decided to do is not push the date at all. They're going to make it a completely virtual draft. So it's going to be all... Actually, the, the, the craziest thing to me, I thought, was that the teams weren't even able to have a couple people in one room at the same time. So I thought like maybe the GM, some of his top assistants in the head coach or the owner or something would be able to be in like say the owner's house or something where he might have a big room, what they're going to do is all these teams have to be in their individual houses. So they're going to be like on Zoom calls and on the phone and on, I don't know if it's Skype or FaceTime or what, but everybody's going to be in their own houses in their own individual living spaces and they're going to have to try and connect from there. Then, of course, they're also going to have, I think that just announced it today that there's going to be 58 players that are going to have I don't know if they sent them tablets or whatnot so they can participate in this virtual draft, but it's going to be all online. So that just, it's kind of interesting how this is all going to work out. The problems that are going to arrive, are they concerned about hackers and internet outages and, and stuff like this? They've kind of been talking about this all week on how they might address some of these concerns. They haven't really talked about hackers. I mean, Scott Van Pelt has mentioned that if someone could do that or something like this in in one team draft someone that nobody's got on their board or anything like this but the one of the problems is what if there's an internet outage like right now it's raining in california or something else worse happens where a team would they consider not freezing the draft but stopping the draft for a moment to make sure that this team can get back up and running and they're comparing this real NFL draft to a lot of people's fantasy drafts where it takes forever when one guy loses internet power and they're like, all right, hold on, have the commissioner stop it for a little bit. But either way, I it's going to be interesting how this all works out in about two weeks. I'm interested to see, but that's what they've done with the NFL draft. They made it 100% virtual. And the big thing is all the teams have to be in their own houses too. They can't send the GM to the coach's house uh, so they can work together that way. It's it's kind of interesting. The other thing that I was wondering is how does this affect trades in this draft? I mean, I think last year they said it's around it was between like five and seven first round trades. The question is, is there going to be more or less now that this is all virtual because they have to discuss it with their own team first? Like, say, let's just hypothetically go with the Lions and the Chargers because the Chargers want to get ahead of the Dolphins and draft Tua. So say Detroit is willing to do this first. They got to talk with themselves and say, all right, are we okay taking this pick, this pick, and this pick from the Chargers in exchange for giving them to a tug of Iloa and such like that. So they decide it with themselves. First they do that. This is all within 10 minutes because remember they have 10 minutes before their time is up and, and then they have to pick. So the Lions decide then, then they have to go and communicate with the Chargers, the Chargers then have to decide, are we comfortable with giving up this, this, and that? All of this has to happen in 10 minutes. I don't know if that's going to affect how often trades happen in the first round. It'll be really interesting to see, but the NFL draft is still scheduled April 23rd through the 25th. It's going to be all virtual, so that'll be really interesting. 
Now to the NBA. We thought we'd have more of a clear idea what they might be doing by this point, but Adam Silver said they won't be able to make a decision until at least May 1st. So I believe all of the major sports commissioners and not owners, but uh, yeah, commissioners had were on a conference call with President Trump and a lot of the other high official leaders and, and World Health Organization leaders and top medical officials about discussing when sports should start coming back and, and they're not at a point yet where they can say. But sports, all the commissioners have said that they want to be a part of the economic restart, I believe. So sports might be one of the first things that comes back once everything starts to clear up is what they're thinking. But for the NBA, at least, they won't be able to make a decision until at least May 1st. Um, one thing they've discussed is isolated play, whereas in every team is in one area, such as Las Vegas, so where they're playing in a stadium without fans or stadiums without fans, and all the teams are in Las Vegas, and then they're isolated so that they won't get the coronavirus at this point. But the, the real question is that you have to ask, and I don't remember who I heard this from, but it might have been Adam Silver said this or someone else, but what is the tolerance level of when to start playing again? Because the thing with it is you can't wait for everybody to be 100% immune from the coronavirus at this point. It's what's the tolerance level of what's safe and what's acceptable for things to kind of start up again, right? Because I know it's a more deadly disease than we've seen in the past, but when a bunch of people get sick in one area, you can't just shut everything down. Of course, this is different, but it's a tolerance level kind of thing, right? So, of course, the tolerance level right now is nowhere near where we can be, where it's not safe for people at this point. So, I mean, that's what they're trying to determine right now is when will be the most tolerant time? When is it safe to at least start sports? It doesn't necessarily have to be with fans. That's another question that we can discuss as well. But what's the tolerance level for both the NBA? I mean, the PGA tournament, they've actually started rescheduling some things right now. So the Masters has been rescheduled for November 12th to the 15th at this point. And it's originally, it actually was supposed to start today, April 9th through the 12th. The PGA tournament is now rescheduled for August 6th, which was originally in May 14th to the 17th. And then the U.S. Open has been rescheduled to September 17th through the 20th, which is originally in June. And then the Open Championship, the other fourth major, that's just been canceled outright. That's usually in July, but that one's been canceled outright. So it's really interesting to see here how the PGA has started to set up a schedule and we don't have uh, a lot of clear information on when these things can start up again. I mean, MLB is talking about maybe starting their season potentially the same way the NBA is talking about it with isolated play, maybe bringing all the teams to Arizona and kind of doing it that way. But the major question then is, of course, like I just mentioned, does it make sense to play any of these major sports without fans? So, I mean, if obviously right now we're not getting any live sports, what we're getting on ESPN and Fox and NBC or stuff like that is a bunch of reruns and replays of big games. Just this past Sunday, I was watching the Packers Super Bowl win against the Steelers in Super Bowl 45. And just or, and then the other day, I think I was watching one of the NBA Finals games where the Cavaliers came back from that 3-1 deficit on the Warriors. 
and they're talking about how they can play without fans, but I don't does it make sense? Because when you watch these games, one of the big things that stands out for sure is all the fans and, and all the noise that are in these stadiums. I mean, do you really want to hear just sneakers on the floor for these NBA games? Now, you just have to weigh what what would you rather have, games without fans or absolutely no games at all and you cancel the season? I don't know where you weigh that at this point. So if you ask the players, I mean, LeBron has been talking about it a lot as does he really have closure then for the NBA season if they don't finish this one where the Lakers are the number one seed in the West. They were coming off a really hot streak where they just beat the Milwaukee Bucks and the Los Angeles Clippers. I mean, a lot of people were picking them to be their NBA champion. The Milwaukee Bucks, too, were having one of their greatest seasons in franchise history. It's just how do you how do you weigh that where these guys definitely want to play with fans? That definitely helps the atmosphere of the game. So if, if a team is down by 15 points in a basketball game and then they start to come back and it's in front of their home crowd, I don't know. It's really interesting that they have to discuss that. But I don't know how you play without fans like that when they have such when they have an impact that's that's that heavy on a on the outcome of a game like that. So we'll see. We'll see how the draft goes on April twenty third in about two weeks, and then we'll see after May first what the NBA decides to do from there. But for now, what I want to get into is the NFL all time. 100 team NFL 100 all-time team and we're going to talk about the quarterbacks today what I think about that how if I agree with this list or if I think maybe some names could be added taken away but either way here are they chose 10 quarterbacks to be on the NFL 100 all-time team here are the 10 guys that were chosen so they went with Sammy Baugh Tom Brady John Elway Brett Favre Otto Graham Peyton Manning Dan Marino, Joe Montana, Roger Staubach, and Johnny Unitas. Those were the 10 guys out of 22. So they chose 10 out of 22 finalists. Some names that got left off, Steve Young, Bart Starr, Terry Bradshaw, Drew Brees. These guys are finalists. Troy Aikman, Rogers, Aaron Rodgers was a finalist. Joe Namath. Those were some of the other finalists on this list. And it's really interesting how you go about doing this. Who would I replace or who would I add? So, I mean, I think Drew Brees and, and Terry Bradshaw or even Steve Young might have been good on this list, but it's so close when you're discussing legends like this. It's splitting hairs, and it's very opinionated on how or what you weigh above other factors. So is it winning? Is it Super Bowls in that sense? Is it this, this statistics oh my goodness is it the style of play or just how they were as a player i mean we'll we'll talk about that when we get to wide receivers for sure it's all different for each person i feel like so take for instance how they chose some of these guys so i mean dan marino and brett Favre are on this list and they have of they're on the nfl 100 all-time team now between the two of them they have one super bowl combined while on the other hand, there's two finalists that aren't on the NFL 100 all-time team in Terry Bradshaw and Steve Young that have seven Super Bowls combined. 
But then if you take, if you consider t- statistics, Brett Favre and Dan Marino are at the top of almost every category. But then Drew Brees, who is at the top of every category in statistics almost, is left off of the NFL All-100 team. It's just really interesting how you decide who deserves a spot on the NFL 100 all-time team. I mean, you don't necessarily have to take any of these quarterbacks off. I mean, who do you take off? But, I mean, it's splitting hairs with some of these guys. But does Drew Brees, who now, have, who now has the most passing touchdowns and most passing yards in NFL history, does he deserve to be on this list? I mean, he's got a Super Bowl. Brett Favre's got a Super Bowl. Dan Marino doesn't have a Super Bowl. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's, of course, no brainers on here. Tom Brady, John Elway, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, Johnny Unitas. I mean, I think they even possibly left off a couple guys on the finalist list, like Warren Moon, possibly. I mean, do you put Jim Kelly on the finalist list at least? I mean, he went to four straight Super Bowls. Now, granted, he did lose them all, but getting to four straight is still a accomplishment in itself, I would think. I mean, they have Aaron Rodgers on the finalist list. But it's just interesting how they decide between Drew Brees and, and Dan Marino or then between, say, Steve Young and Brett Favre and, and guys like that. It's just hard when you're splitting hairs this closely. But I would definitely think that Drew Brees deserves to be on the NFL all-time team in terms of quarterbacks, at least you don't have to take any of these quarterbacks off, but you have to get Drew Brees on here, I think, somehow. When he has the Super Bowl win, when he has what he's done for New Orleans as well, I mean, that's got to be taken into consideration. I'm sure they've done it with a lot of other guys as well. I think Drew Brees should definitely be on this list. Terry Bradshaw is another guy that you could question that he should possibly be on, be on this list with four Super Bowl victories and all the statistics he was able to put up as well. So it's interesting how they decide to go about choosing these quarterbacks. And we'll see in some of these later discussions that I have. When I get to the running backs, too, I'll definitely have some discrepancies with the guys that were chosen there. But this whole list, a lot of people were upset with a lack of current players or recent players that aren't on the list. And we'll talk about that with running backs. Like I mentioned, LaDainian Tomlinson, who was left off the list and how he definitely needs to be on that list at this point. But uh, it's really interesting to see how they chose about that. So like I said, the 10 guys, Sammy Baugh, Tom Brady, John Elway, Brett Favre, Otto Graham, Peyton Manning, Dan Reno, Joe Montana, Roger Staubach, and Johnny Unitas. you got to fit Drew Brees in there somehow. Possibly Terry Bradshaw too. Some of the other guys that got left off, Bart Starr, Steve Young. I mean, you can only take so many. I get that, but I feel like Drew Brees has got to be on there at this point. Um, all right, so I'll talk about running backs then in my next. It won't be in my next episode. I'll explain that a little later on. But it, my next NFL 100 all-time team discussion will be about the running backs, and uh, I'll explain how Ladanian Tomlinson not being on there is egregious for sure. But I'll get to my final thought on today, and it does have to do with World Chase Tag. I bet you you thought I was done with it at this point, but I am not. It keeps popping up on my Snapchat Discover Stories with new episodes, so I continue to watch it, and I watched a lot of it 
online too, but the latest one is about a guy named Harun Hanafi. I believe I said that right. He's a member of this Urban Generation Squad or team, and they're based out of London. And I believe I may have found the best World Chase Tag participant in the world right now. What I've read and what I've watched is that no one has ever been able to evade this man's tag. It's incredible. He's just toying with the opponent sometimes, gets them within five seconds of the opening horn. Other times it's it's really close, and of course there's always some controversy, but I've, I've watched it in that no one is able to evade it when he's the chaser. You all probably thought I was I was done with this, but I'm telling you, after one week, I'm, I'm not done with this yet. This is what I've been watching. Other than if they put on the Packers Super Bowls, I'll watch those, but I have no sports to watch right now. Jordan's kind of taking a break from his MLB The Show journey, which is fine, but <laughs> this is what I've been watching is World Chase Tag, and Haroon Hanafi is now my favorite participant because nobody is, no one is able to evade his tags, which is incredible. He's it, And the reason is, He's got to be like 6'4 or something because he's got these incredibly long arms. You see these guys reach through bars and such like that. These other guys can escape along the edge of the platform. But with his long arms, they can't get around him. He can corner them, and then whichever way they try to escape, he's able to reach and touch them. Otherwise, they'll they'll fall out of bounds. But it's pretty cool to watch in this world chase tag. I was wondering how these guys don't hurt themselves doing all this parkour with bars and platforms and bridges and such like that on on this thing and don't worry i found an episode where there's uh some collisions with the equipment on the platform so but i mean these guys are it's really cool to watch and harun hanafi is is the guy at the top for the urban generations squad out of london so there's that for you on the final thought for world chase tag final final thought then for today's episode mock draft 2.0 for the NFL draft of mine is in the works and next week or next week's episode is going to be my mock draft episode. I'm going to do it a week before the NFL draft. A couple things that I'm doing for it. I've got a lot of switches between my first round players. I think it's around 14 or 15 changes that I've made to it so far. And then another thing too that I'm doing for the first time is I'm adding a second round to my mock draft, um, and it's going to explain a lot of why I decided to do what I've done in the first round. So I'll give you a sneak peek right now. What I've changed for one team is the New York Jets. I've given them an offensive tackle with that 11th overall pick. First mock draft, I gave them a wide receiver. In the second mock draft, the reason I've gone with an offensive tackle is because I believe it's such a deep draft class of wide receivers that the Jets can grab one of the top four offensive tackles at 11 and still find a number one receiver in the second round. So that's why I've decided to add a second round to this mock draft 2.0 for 2020, which will be done by next week, Thursday, which will be a week before the draft. And then the episode will hopefully be done by Thursday as well, released either Thursday night or Friday morning. And then you'll see my mock draft 2.0 up online and you can listen to it in podcast form as well so that is in the works right now final final thought for today thanks for tuning in that's all i've got for this week's episode like i said next week will be the mock draft episode and then we'll go from there with discussing the nfl draft how it went 
when it was virtual, whether it went smoothly or not, or any problems that they might report after the fact once the draft is all done. But And then once the draft is finished, we'll have episodes discussing each team and how they look after the draft, and we'll continue to look at the NFL 100 all-time team, and it'll be running backs the next time I get to that topic. All right. Thanks for listening this week. Stay safe, everybody. Stay sane inside. I know I'm starting to lose it a little bit. As you can tell, I just watched Tiger King, Lego Masters, and I'm watching World Chase Tag at this point. But either way, stay safe, everyone. Thanks for listening. And that is the final final.